I have to admit it. I'm a donkey on the edge! Oh, man, things are a little bit busy. And I know, I know, I know I recorded the last podcast way back in July and it seems to be that it's already the autumn equinox. This year hasn't just escaped me. It's grown legs, stuck on a pair of trainers and is legging it off into the distance with August and September stuffed firmly in its bag like a school bully who's just nicked my lunch. Incidentally, that is something that's happened to me more than once. So as I grapple with what remains of this year, I'm Paul and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Okay, I admit it. (laughs) It's been a couple of months since I've recorded a podcast. And to illustrate the point, here's an email I received yesterday from Bob Goodyear. And it starts, well, at least I know you're alive and, I quote, taking nourishment, quote, as I see your frequent posts on Instagram. Uh, However, I would be less than honest if I said I didn't miss your Mastering Portrait Photography podcasts. They have become a big part of both my personal development and welcome company on my morning exercise. I am confident there is great demand on your time surviving as an artist in this crazy pandemic-focused world. And my intent in writing is not to apply pressure for more podcasts, but my way of making sure you know they are missed. Well, Bob, over there in the US... Uh, Thank you for the note. It did somewhat apply pressure, but in a really nice way, um, just as it did when I heard that uh, someone out there, I won't use their name, said they listened to the podcast while soaking in the bath. An image I'm struggling to get out of my head. So apologies. I'm so sorry. It's nothing sinister. I didn't put the podcast to sleep or to bed or to anything, really. All that happened was we got really, really busy. We have had so much uh, going on. So many portrait shoots, so many weddings, so many late nights. And unfortunately, coupled with those early mornings, seriously, I have wanted to crumple up and cry more than once in the past few weeks. And even today... The exhaustion is just washing over me and I have just, literally as I, as I hit record on the first take of this podcast, our son texted me to say he's on his way back to university. So I hit pause, went home, a teary goodbye. Uh, he's going into his second year uh, rather than his first, so it's not a complete shock, but I still feel emotional every time he leaves. And that is the way of 2021, I think. A huge amount of thing, a huge number of things going on, a huge amount of work, not enough time. But at the end of the day, it's really, really good uh, to be busy. And on top of that, this week, so that Jake could get back to uni, I've been reconfiguring all of our laptops. Now, I know it sounds really cheap, but Jake gets the hand-me-downs when it comes to the technology. So uh, I've had to reconfigure my laptop, a new laptop, which has gone onto Sarah, which meant I had to configure Sarah's laptop, which has gone to Jake, which has meant I had to configure Jake's laptop. And I've ama- I'm amazed at how much time it takes. You seem to sit forever just watching a little bar that says 27 minutes. And then a minute later, it says 26.5 minutes. Then a minute later, it says 26.5 minutes. It doesn't seem to get any quicker, no matter how I try to do it. Uh, finally, finally got them all working, all talking to the relevant networks and all appearing to actually function as they should. And the last one on my list, which I haven't even contemplated starting yet, uh, we have invested in a new IMAX something or other. 
Uh, it's a big old unit. It's not one of the M series, the, the new Apple chips, simply because I need a bigger screen than that. They only come in 24 inch and I need a 27 inch screen to be able to see what I'm doing. So that's still sitting in its box and has been for the past month. Uh, you'd think like all photographers, when you get a new bit of tech, all you want to do is get the thing out and get it rolling. Well, it's still sitting firmly sealed at the end of the studio where I simply haven't had time to do anything about it. Uh, this past week, uh, I've also got to write a couple of articles. Uh, I've written, I wrote one last week for N Photo Magazine. Uh, I've got one this week to write for Professional Photo Magazine and then one for the British Institute of professional photographers. It seems to me that I spend nearly as much time writing as I do anything else. And as a quick aside, <laughs> one of the things uh, that came out of the photography show was a lot of people said they really quite liked the podcasts uh, while I was out on the, on the road in the Land Rover. And the problem I've had, the reason I stopped doing those was partly sound quality and partly due to the fact that I had a shotgun mic mounted in front of me on the uh, windscreen visor, one of the pull-down visors, pointing at me. It's fine. It doesn't It doesn't uh, get in the way of visibility or anything, but it feels like if I had an accident and I got to lurch forward, I might be making contact with something that's not dissimilar to, well, a sharpened stick. Uh, I didn't really like doing it. It made me very nervous. And at the end of the day, it didn't seem to solve all of the problems, particularly when I would be talking to the microphone while looking over my shoulder at a junction and my voice would simply disappear into the distance as I looked away and then gradually it would come back again as I turned back to the microphone. Uh, so uh, I have invested in yet another microphone. I don't know actually how many microphones I own right now, uh, but a proper Sennheiser headset mic that is designed for this kind of thing. I'm wearing it now. Simply as a test, uh, I'm recording this in the studio, but I am out on the road later this week. And so I wanted to just get a quick test in. So here you go. Uh, I'd love to know what you think. Uh, this is my beautiful Rode broadcaster microphone that I'm speaking into uh, just at the moment. And this is the new Sennheiser uh, headset microphone. This is the broadcaster microphone. This is the headset microphone. The nice thing about using uh, a broadcast microphone is if I want to say things like, I hope you're enjoying listening to this in the bath. And of course, I can move really close to it. Uh, the headset microphone on the other hand, as I move away and move away and move away, it simply moves with me. So I can't use any of those things. Uh, but what I'm hoping is it will give me a very good constant volume uh, while being out and about in a car. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I'll let you know. So let me know what you think. I haven't necessarily got all of the EQing quite right, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, obviously, the past week, the highlight has been the photography show. Now this year it's for all sorts of uh, COVID related reasons has been held in September. So I'm recording this on the Thursday and I was up there on the Monday. Why was I only there for one day you ask? Well because the photography show is in September <laughs> which in any year is a busy month for photographers and in this particular year is horrifically busy for photographers and in particular me. Uh, I could manage one day, but it was only one day. And even when a couple of other presenters dropped out and I was approached to see if I could cover some other slots, simply wasn't possible. But it was in one day the energizer that I needed. Now, I know this year essentially, well, this past 18 months essentially, has been defined by remote meetings. Zoom, FaceTime, Teams, whatever is the technology of your particular choice, that seems to have been the way of this year. But if I'm honest, 
I don't like it. I've never liked it. Uh, I haven't liked it ever since I first encountered it. Probably, I think it was 20 years ago uh, when I was working with AOL and they had some other prototype kit uh, that allowed you to have virtual meetings in three offices around the world. Um, I didn't like it then and I don't like it now. I don't know why. I find it really weird to be sort of in the room, but not quite in the room with people. In many ways, I'd rather be on the phone. But the photography show meant for the first time in quite a long time, I'm in a very large building with an awful lot of people. And there's a lot of handshaking going on, a lot of hugging, a lot of slight awkwardness as we remember or try to figure out what each person is comfortable with. Uh, but I think I was hugged or and I hugged more than I have in the past two years. And I loved every single second of it just to be around people laughing and chatting, the energy of it, the excitement of it. Yes, all right, it's the photography show. So everywhere I went, I just wanted to have a look at some new technology. You know how it is. Oh, my God, that'll make such a difference to my studio. Uh, but I, I only bought one thing. I was very good. I bought a very quick assembly monopod because I really wanted to uh, video my talk at the show. Uh, I managed to video half of it before the memory card decided it had had enough and it serves me right for buying a substandard memory card when recording 360 video. Oops. Uh, but hey-ho, the, the tripod that I bought, the monopod that I bought is really useful. That's gone into our bag of, of bits and it was, you know, it's a show bargain, right? It was, was 29.99, I think, down from 35.99, one of those bargains. I managed to keep myself away from the big purchases because, of course, I'm waiting for the Nikon Z or Z9. Uh, my Z7, my Z7 Mark II is a phenomenal piece of kit. I'm gradually getting my head around uh, the difference in working mirrorless to from an SLR. Uh, the really weird bit, actually, the thing that I found strangest and I'm having to concentrate on is that uh, I like flipping the screen out and using it almost as a waste finder, which is how I started my Kodak box brownie had a waste finder and that was the very first angle I ever took a photograph from admittedly it was upside down and back to front <laughs> on the Kodak uh, and this is the opposite uh, but the downside of it I love the actual angles because it means my knees as I'm getting older it doesn't really matter or it doesn't hurt them so much but the flip side of that is people all of the photos or if I'm not concentrating the photos look like the subject is looking over the top of the camera because, of course, they are. They're talking to me and I'm looking down at the viewfinder. So I'm having to repeatedly say, look at the camera, not at me. Look at the camera, not at me. I'm having to work up a wholly different way of working. Uh, and then, of course, the, the viewfinder has its place, particularly in bright sunlight. But I'm really enjoying uh, the flip screen. Anyway, back to the show. So many friends, so many smiles, so much laughter and it was just wonderful to be back in the actual presence of other human beings. Uh, I, I did my spot uh, which is on the uh, pro stage masterclass. Uh, the one I was covering this year was on in-person sales and why I love it so much. <laughs> well you'd guess you'd guess from this conversation I like being the company of others. I think it works for me. It makes it feel like the job we're doing is somehow more personal. Uh, and obviously that's reflected in our sales values too. And that was essentially the essence of the presentation. I managed to get through it. <laughs> I had actually, I had rehearsed, I had rehearsed the presentation a couple of times. The first time driving up, I rehearsed it with Sarah. I ran through it on my phone. Oh man, the joys of technology. Uh, Keynote, saved it to Dropbox, picked it up on my phone in the car, rehearsed it on my phone, made the changes I needed to, sat in the room in the hotel up in Birmingham, up in Sullyhull. 
went through it for a second time, having made the changes, made a few more tweaks. Perfect. Got my presenter notes, got my graphics. Everything should be around about 25 minutes, which will give a little bit of time for handover. And maybe I'll get allowed to ask, maybe we'll be able to ask or answer a question or two. On the stage, they plugged me in, headset mic, audio checks, everything else. What I didn't realize was in that process, the mirroring had been turned on on my laptop, which meant very simply that when we hit go, I had no presenter notes. Oops. So having spent a good deal of time putting together all the notes that I wanted to cover, I stood at the front, off I went and realized, no way, I've got no presenter notes. Had to do the whole half hour, no notes at all. Luckily for me, because I had rehearsed it twice uh, and the slides, I'd made them so that actually it triggered conversations in my head, then it was absolutely fine. And I think there was just one minor point that I failed to cover. Everything else, I managed to get through it. And the great thing about doing without notes, of course, is it allows you to perform. You can stand at the front of the stage and react to the audience as opposed to standing at a lectern looking at your notes. So on the one hand, yeah, a little bit scary. And I have to be admit it. I have to admit there must be a moment at the beginning of the, of the presentation where I went a very pale colour as I realised what was about to happen. But very quickly, I gathered myself up and hopefully made it the performance that I'd always wanted it to be. Because at the end of the day, when you're going to present these things, part of my job is to impart information, but the majority of my job is to be entertaining. If you're not entertaining, that's half an hour that people will never get back. And judging by the questions and the people that came and found me afterwards, uh, I seemed to have succeeded. Uh, I then went over to the British Institute of Professional Photographers, the BIPP, and sat on their uh, stand or their show stand for the remainder of the day, uh, which is about four and a half hours reviewing portfolios. Just an absolute joy. And I'll get on to that in a moment. But I want to say a couple of big thank yous. Firstly, to uh, Graphy Studio, who are always there they are. They have always had our back. Um, we are a big customer, uh, or they are a big supplier to us. Uh, pretty much every client we have will leave this studio with more or less one, maybe two or three Graphy Studio items, whether it's uh, the reveal box, a portfolio reveal box, or a combination of albums. Uh, we do sell quite a lot of Graphy Studio stuff, and the quality we get from them and the service we get from them is just wonderful. So thank you to those guys. It was those guys that put me on the stage uh, because in-person sales is such a powerful tool. It's a much more versatile and a much more effective way of selling because you have much higher, much higher customer satisfaction rates and much higher sales from it as well. Um, and on top of that, it means I actually get, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have time for a client to sit down and look at and feel and touch the products that we sell, particularly Graphic Studio. A huge thank you to the British Institute of Professional Photographers, the BIPP, um, uh, on whose stand I sat. That's another thing to say, whose stand I sat, uh, on whose exhibition space I occupied uh, for the whole afternoon, having an absolute ball. And a, a slightly off-centre one, but a big thank you to Light Blue. I didn't get a chance to say thanks to those guys on the show. I ran past waving at them, and I don't even know if they saw me because they were deep in conversation uh, with uh, a couple of, I'm guessing, prospective clients or their clients. We've used Light Blue software for oh, 15 years, I'm guessing, um, ever since we went. It can't be quite that long, probably 12 years. Ever since we went 
fully professional. Uh, we knew we needed a database. I'd already written one, um, but in the end, maintaining that was too difficult. And Light Blue offered a whole lot of functions that, in my wildest dreams, I would never ever have built. In particular, I like the fact that it's on my phone, so uh, somebody can type something in in the office, and within a couple of seconds, that information is on my phone uh, on the app. I love those guys. I love what they do. They're very understated. But as someone said to me, uh, another Bob, funnily enough, I think it was Bob Foyers. Uh, I was exchanging some notes with him um, and he said that they have some of the best customer service he has ever encountered. And he would be right about that. You actually can write into them and say, look, guys, this would be really useful uh, or this isn't quite right. Uh, and not only do you get an email back, you usually get some investigation. And if it's something they can change and is good to change, they really do. And that's very different to an awful lot of software companies, uh, many of whom I'm sure you know. Um, so back to the BIPP, and which is where I spent uh, the rest of the afternoon, so four and a half hours. And it was such a privilege. Now, I know people say that word uh, that gets banded around. It was a privilege. And, but I mean it. it. You know, when you get asked to help other photographers or to review and get involved and provide excitement and direction from other photographers to other photographers, um, it's somewhat of an honor and it's a privilege to be there. And I've never stopped being excited about it. I've never stopped being uh, surprised when I'm asked, if I'm honest. Uh, you know, you kind of assume, as a photographer, all of us are, relatively speaking, insecure. And I think there's that side of it where you, you feel like you're not good enough, you're an imposter. The imposter syndrome comes up a lot uh, in this particular game. And so every time you're asked, uh, would I be willing to sit uh, on, on one of the exhibition spaces uh, and work through other photographers' images, and see what I think. Well, what an absolute honour. And in particular, uh, this particular year, I think is, I think it was more important than ever for me. So I know the idea is that places like the British Institute of Professional Photographers or the, the societies, the SWPP or the Master Photographer Association, the MPA or the Guild, we they all do the same thing. We bring photographers onto the stands and we sit and talk to people who are either up and coming in the, in the industry or who are trying to take the next step, whatever that is, into fellowship maybe. Um, and the idea is that we help them. But the, the net outcome is, is actually a two-way street. It doesn't work quite the way you'd think it does. And what I mean by that is I sat there. Let me give you an example. I sat and I went through, I think, in the end, five different portfolios of images. Um Ranging, I think I started with uh, Nigel Ord-Smith's dog photography, which simply blew me away. It was gorgeous. And I ended on two young and incredibly gifted apprentices who work up in Pontefract. You know who you are, um, who showed me their work. And I think, I think it was the first time in a while I've been left a little bit stunned. They're 19. They're still learning. And the photography they showed me was just beautiful and I mean beautiful the lighting the posing the emotion in the images was just gorgeous uh, one of them brought them printed which was my kind of thing I love to see I love to see printed images I don't know why I think it's because it's the ultimate end product uh, it's a little bit like I'm sure it's the same if you're a musician and you listen to it on a listen to a piece on an iPhone that someone sends you or you actually take an LP out of its wrapper <laughs> showing my age you take an LP out of its out of its sleeve 
I drop it onto a really beautiful deck and drop the needle and listen to it in all its glory. I think there's something in that. And so the prints were beautiful, the images were gorgeous, and here's the point, if there is a point to this particular podcast. This podcast feels like a recovery podcast. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to go dark for a while. I'm here. I'm still alive. Uh, but there is sort of a point. And it was a question that started to run through my head in the afternoon, particularly given how excited or how exciting I found seeing other people's images. The dog photography, the portrait photography, the street photography, all of it. Every time I sat down with someone, I came away enriched. I came away excited because each of the people I saw, now maybe I was lucky, but each of the people I saw showed me images that just made me smile. I've always loved images. I've collected photography books since I was a kid and I've handled a camera since I was 10 years old. So for me, photography is something that I do because I love it. I now make my living from it, which adds a degree of stress. And yes, I have spent the past couple of weeks close to tears. But nonetheless, it's something that actually excites me. When I see an image that is so beautiful that all I want to do is figure out how they did it and go away and try and do the same thing. Or maybe, maybe I'll beat myself up a bit and ask myself, why on earth have I never thought of that? One of the joys, particularly of young photographers coming into the arena, particularly of the 19-year-old apprentices, is that they're not restricted by age or success or practice or familiarity or laziness you know these are the these are the things that as you get older and you've been doing it a long time I think they're the things that can creep into your work and frankly that terrifies me it terrifies me that that's it that's all I can do now I've always been really lucky and I get bored really quickly and so by the time I've learned to do one thing I want to try something else that's the only reason the podcast exists <laughs> it was a curiosity I'd never done one I thought I own a microphone I own a recording interface let's plug it all together and see what happens and here we are uh, even today Amazon uh, the podcast is now on Amazon Music uh, and the guys have written to me to offer me help in promoting it which of course I will take them up on um but the point being that when you see fresh talent, when you see new work, when you see things that there are just there's, there were just images I saw that every time I could I kept turning the page or scrolling up the iPad, you know, and seeing image after image. There were some beautiful dog photos, and oh my god, there were some beautiful portraits, and I came away more excited about photography than I have been in a long time. But it raised a question particularly with the two youngsters who showed me their work, is what place technique sits? What place does technique hold in creating an image? And the reality is imagination is everything. Technique is simply a road to get there. And the thing about a road to get there is there's always more than one. It's the ideas and the imagination and the fresh approach and seeing things that actually makes a great photograph. You need technique, don't get me wrong. You know this, all right, before everyone starts emailing it and saying, you've got to be good at it. Uh, yeah, you've got to have some kind of technique, but it can be your technique. It doesn't have to be the technique or a classical technique. You will need to know your way around a camera. You will need to know your way around post-production. It's like learning piano scales or maybe uh, paradiddles on drums. I remember when I was a drummer, going back quite a long time now, and I'm sorry that I always use musical references. Well, am I sorry? No, I'm not really that sorry. Anyway, musical reference. 
I remember another drummer, and, and he walked past the, the, my university room back. This is going back. This is 1988, and I've got a practice pad on a stand, and I'm driving my roommate crazy because I'm drilling my paradiddles. Um, I learnt uh, through part playing with brass bands, part playing with orchestras, and part playing pop and rock. And so I was absolutely drilling my paradiddles because from a technical point of view, I wasn't actually that good. I tried, but there were much better percussionists than I was who could read music better. Their sticking technique was better. Their drum rolls were better. They could do one-handed drum rolls. You know, the Stuart Copeland trick. I never managed that. But I did manage to get enough of my paradiddles down to be able to play around with them a little bit. Anyway, another drummer wandered past and I could see he stuck his head in and said hello. But he could see by the look in his face, he was quite snotty about it. Um, anyway, that, as it happened, that week, the band I played in played a gig down the Student Union Bar. Now, a Student Union Bar is not a place for paradiddles and jazz. It's a place for good, full-on rock, good, full-on pop. You know, it's basically a wedding band on acid. So it was a full-on set, two and a half hours of dancing. There was, there was sweat and condensation dripping down the walls. Uh, uh, the, that particular night, a pinball table got broken because several people were dancing on the glass lid it was that kind of night anyway he came and found me afterwards and he said I take it all back well I didn't know he'd said anything but clearly he had he'd always been bitching about me saying that he thought I was all technique and no rock and roll and it was so far from the truth the paradiddles were no more or are no more than a vehicle for allowing me to get around a drum kit and not end up with the wrong stick pointing in the wrong direction you've got to have technique to support whatever it is you're trying to do. And I'm sure piano players, you know, I'm sure rock piano players or rock keyboard players or jazz keyboard players will tell you the same thing, that the technique is neither here nor there. In fact, you probably should never know that technique was in it. It's not that that should be appreciated. It should be the music. And that's the point. When you're taking photographs, when you're creating imagery, technique is great. Technique is there because it helps you. Technique helps you get the exposure so that you've got plenty of data in your image to play with in post-production maybe, or maybe technique helps you get those catch lights in such a position that the eyes sparkle and the shadows are where you'd want them. Technique maybe is the way you place a reflector or the way light dances off a cheek or the way the posing changes the perception of someone's body shape. These are all things that are technical, but in the end, that's not the point. The point is that you're gonna create magic the point is you had imagination, you thought something up and you created it. And I had the privilege of sitting and looking at images that every single image I looked at just got me more and more and more excited to be doing what it is that we do. And it wasn't because their technique was great. Some of them did have incredible techniques. Some of them didn't. Some of them had perfect posing. Some of them didn't. Some perfect lighting. And by perfect, I mean, if you looked at it as a competition judge or qualifications judge, it's perfect. Or maybe it's perfect post-production. I know all of those things are important, particularly if it's awards and qualifications you're chasing. But to me, Monday afternoon, the photography show, Birmingham, on the BIPP stand, I got the biggest adrenaline shot I've had, I think, in the past two years. And I cannot wait to see what all of the people who I had the pleasure the honour, the privilege of sitting and looking at their images. I cannot wait to see what happens next for each of them. And I cannot wait to see what inspiration I found sitting there on those sofas looking at these incredible photographs. And if that wasn't enough, and surely that would be enough 
for any man. A great pleasure this year is that Sarah actually joins me on the stand. And when it comes to business and being organised and super efficient and having a clear, solid view of how to run a photography business, there isn't really anyone better than Sarah. And I know a few people sat with her and she went through ideas for their business, how to market themselves, uh, how to run the business, how to, if you're a partnership, how to get the best out of the creative flaky guy next to you or flaky lady next to you who has the camera in their hand. And it was such a joy to see Sarah there. Uh, and I've, she's told me some of the things that they were talking about and some of the ideas uh, that she proposed to different businesses. And boy, is it an asset to both me as a business and me as her partner, but also on the British Institute of Professional Photographers. Bloomin' lucky to have her as part of their organisation. So uh, all in all, a completely wonderful experience. So good to be back. And... I'm hoping that it's got just enough or it'll give me just enough energy to stop me bursting into tears, but to keep me jumping from one shoot to the next for the next five or six weeks as we roll inevitably into Christmas. And on that happy note, I'm hoping that as a <laughs> hoping I haven't forgotten how to do this. He says, just for, I'm just going to very quickly change windows. Yes, it looks like it's recorded. That's good. That's a good start. The sound might be dreadful, but at least it has recorded. Uh, the podcast, as always, can be found on all your usual channels. But the point being that if you're listening to it now, you've already found it. Uh, please do subscribe and please do leave us a review. They are incredibly useful. So head over, if you can, to iTunes if you're Apple uh, orientated. If not, uh, wherever it is that you consume uh, your podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review and or a rating. It is greatly appreciated. Also, head over to masteringportraitphotography.com. I know uh, that's been a little bit quiet recently along with the podcast, but we are mustering up the energy and the time uh, to create some new content on there. It's full of all sorts of things uh, about the passion and the artistry and the business of portrait photography. Uh, whatever else happens, until next time, be kind to yourself. Take care.